Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. A special Dynasty edition of Red vs. Blue. Here we go, gang. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen. Do it straight from the haters. Got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero need a same music. No one man to have all that power. The clock ticking, I just count the hours. Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the power. The system broke in the now with us tonight, we've got Jeff Pasquino from DynastyGuys.com. Let's go, guys. 60 seconds. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue... One bleeds red, and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rivalry. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterward. Here they are. Scott and Mike. the lack of free agency, the lack of the, the unknown quantity here. 
But what we can do is still evaluate talent, and that's what a big part of what uh, Dynasty Prognostication is all about, Jeff. So uh, we will have a couple of guys on the air tonight that love to talk about Dynasty. The Big F and Dynasty Show joins us tonight. John Duckworth and Michael Bronte, a.k.a. Invictus, will be with us tonight on Red vs. Blue. They debuted their BFD fantasy site today, and they will uh, be giving away a special uh, membership option for BFD subscribers uh, tonight. Somebody's going to win a lucky BFD uh, subscription for 2011, so you won't want to miss. Stay by the chat room. Have your phone handy. Uh, they are going to give one of those away. For any of you that don't have it, most of the high stakes crew, you're already subscribed in any way, but just in case, uh, have the have your phone and uh, chat room handy. We don't know how it's going to get awarded. We just know that John is going to award one tonight. So, Jeff, let's go ahead and get started, man. Uh, first of all, the, the phone number for anybody that wants to call in, 347-324-5404 is the number. I see a, a nice chat room here at the crew, Red versus Blue. Uh, comprised of some of the best minds in the world of high-stakes fantasy football today. We're streaming live on Blog Talk Radio on thefsc.com, fsc.com for the Fantasy Sports Channel, streaming live 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we're also streaming live on iTunes Radio. So uh, if you have the podcast on iTunes, you'd like to download that and listen to it on your iPod or MP3 player. You can also stream live on iTunes Radio. Uh, so if you have an Apple TV hooked up to the television, you can you can stream live while you're uh, you know just hanging out with the fam, uh, with nothing better to do but join us. Okay, Jeff, let's start it. Let's get it going. You're a big Philly uh, guy. You got Philly connections, or you're a Philly fan. Tell us a little bit about you and what you've got going at DynastyGuys.com because I want to get right into the action with the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, I go back to the Eagles, way back to the you know the early, early '80s, late '70s. I grew up on the Eagles, and I've been a you know, bleeding green, uh, min, uh, Kelly Green ever since, and now Midnight Green. So I I know the Eagles inside and out, you know. And I I grew up as an Eagles fan for the most part. And when they really stunk back in the uh, early '90s, that's when I really got into fantasy, and that's really how I got my foot wet. Because you know, when the team's bad, what else you got but a fantasy team? Yeah. Well, so that's what we want to talk to you. Have big things happen. Nothing bigger happened than Michael Vick. And I don't know if you were getting into the NFL Network and the Top 100. I mean, there's not a lot else to do here. So I'm watching it. I'm not. I'm not one of these cynics that is just real hateful and spiteful about where these guys are ranked. This is a player's vote. Uh, you know what? If you like Big Ben Roethlisberger, God bless him. He was number 41 for the year. And you know, you could say a lot about the Steelers. There's nothing wrong with being the 41st best player as voted on by the peers. So I think that's still a tremendous accomplishment with as many football players as there are in the NFL. To even be recognized in the top 100 uh, is, a, is a thing, a sign of respect. I don't know if the players fully understood that, Jeff, or not, or if you're watching, but, you know, they had McNabb ranked at number 100. So right off the bat I was like, oh, boy, what's going on? Why is McNabb still ranked in the top 100? But, it's a respect thing. It's those peers and fantasy and football players, not fantasy football. It's the NFL, and there's a lot of player respect for Donovan McNabb. And, and some people think that Ben Roethlisberger should have been in the top 10 or maybe top 20, and he was number 41. What, what were your thoughts on that ranking? Well, I think it's basically you're looking at basically a Pro Bowl vote. That's basically what you're looking at. Guys are voting for the Pro Bowl. So, guys, if you were, you know, if you, if, who you would send to Hawaii. So, it's not always the best player that year. And normally you say that it takes a year or two for the, 
the, the players to catch up on their voting for where they're really performing well. So a rookie or a second-year guy who's doing great is not going to get the votes over a guy who's been there for 12 or 13 years, even if he's on the decline. So a Tony Gonzalez is going to get votes, even though Jermichael Finley is coming on, for example. That kind of thing is going to happen. 347-324-5404 is the number. They're already talking about it, uh, guys in the chat room. Some people are hating on it. Some people aren't really that uh, up to what's going on. Again, it's been going on for the last, what, a uh, couple of months now. They've been debuting 10 at a time. They're down to those top 10, and we know that Peyton Brady and Breeze are up there. We know that Adrian Peterson is up there as the only running back in the top 10. Andre Johnson is the only wide receiver in the top 10. And then you've got five defensive players. Julius Peppers, uh, Darrell Revis, um, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, and uh, Corey Palomalu. Yeah, are there any names on that top ten that you feel don't belong in the top ten? They all sound pretty legitimate to me. Uh, Pretty good, but I would think Ray Lewis has to be pushed out. I know I, I, I... I'm in I'm in his backyard, but I think that the guy is really nearing the end. And I think Paul Amalu, I mean, he has an impact player, but the guy's got to be on the field more than he is. I mean, when he's on the field, he's he's absolutely a force, but he's missed a lot of time. You can make the same case about Ed Reed. I mean, those a lot of these guys, all th- I'd say all three defenders right there on that list, Reed, Paul Amalu, and uh, Ray Lewis, it's more of a career vote than a 2011 vote for me. I would probably lean towards um, where's you know where's the linebacker from San Francisco? Where where's he at? You know, I think you got younger linebacker talent is not being represented up there when it should be. It's definitely a, a food for thought and conversation starter. I think this is how the it's going to be interesting to find out who's going to be the number one. I think you have no doubt in my mind it's going to be Peyton and Brady as the one in, in one and one A. But I'm just wondering who in the NFL is going to get that more respect. And I think at the end of the day, my gut is that they're going to give it to the guy with more Super Bowl rings. Brady's going to be the one. Peyton's going to be the two. Uh, If I had to guess, I would say that Palomalu will be the three. That's just a hunch. Mm. I don't know. That seems a little high for Paul Amon to me. I, I I would actually flip it. I put Peyton Manning number one because the guy has just done. I mean, the guy the guy is the face of the NFL for the most part. He's much more the poster boy than than Brady is at this point. Who's more of a European type guy now. Uh, I and I think that he's done more than last year with a bad offensive line or a suspect offensive line and. He kept losing parts left and right. He lost Marvin Harrison a couple of years ago, and then he lost Austin Collie. He had all different injuries going for Dallas Clark, and he continuously beats teams, and he basically runs that offense. I think he's much more of a key player than Tom Brady is, although both of them are starting. I, I, I would, If I was starting a new team, I, I don't think I would pick either one first. I'd probably go with like an Aaron Rodgers just because of the youth factor. Yeah, it's uh, well, Rodgers, again, didn't have the greatest of season until he really put it together in the playoffs and had one magical playoff run. So I think, I don't know if the players were kind of confused by the questions or whatnot. I think that's some of the contention there. But, you know, if you ask me, I've got Jarrell Revis as my number one player. But I know, I know that's not how the, the fans or, or the players are going to vote it yet. You give him another year of shutting down players like Andre Johnson and, and uh, you know, these uh, – uh, Dwayne Bow types and all the great receivers, Calvin Johnson. These guys did nothing against Revis, and so that's uh, that to me 
shows that uh, there's a tremendous amount of respect for Revis. But any, anybody that's in the top ten, you have nothing to be ashamed about. But it, but it is something to pass away the time while we're waiting on this damn CBA to get uh, to get cleared up. Okay, Jeff, let's go to Dynasty. Uh, there's a good Dynasty house in the chat room tonight. I see DL football in the house. I see uh, a lot of big names here. Fantasy Assassins is here. Coyote Streakers, Nine Rounds, lots of guys in the chat room. Uh, we want to talk about uh, the Eagles for a second. In, in a dynasty perspective, you've got lots of options with Vic and McCoy, and you got those two stud wide receivers on the end, man. You've got uh, Macklin on one side and Deshaun on the other, and I think there's no question about it that Deshaun took the league by storm and has all the talent in the world. But we sort of saw with Vic come along, it looked like Macklin – really carved out a nice space for himself in just his second year. And you know what they say about the third-year wide receiver. So I want to ask about the dynasty perspective, and I want to ask about the 2011 season. So it's a two-part question. Which receiver would you rather have for dynasty purposes and for redraft purposes? And I'll let you uh, give us your thoughts. Well, I think almost in all categories I'd pick Macklin. That's my short answer. But for the most part – in a PPR league, I lean towards Macklin. From an ADP value standpoint, I'd pick Macklin uh, because I think he's a 1A and a very high-powered passing offense versus uh, the 1B of Deshaun. They're early interchangeable. Macklin doesn't seem to get hurt as much, more willing to go over the middle. But he really benefits because he's not going against the number one corner of the defense. The number one defensive uh, initiative for teams opposing the Eagles is shut down Deshaun because you see most games Vic is going up top to Deshaun either early or you know at least two or three times a game he's looking for Deshaun for that quick strike and he's a great home run player in in uh, high performance leagues where we get bonuses for long touchdowns or even kick returns or punt returns Deshaun's a great guy to have and I think he's a top ten border you know he's a st- stud wide receiver one he'll be there as, uh, for quite a while in the Andy Reid pass happy offense but Macklin gets a lot more targets he's healthier and he gets a lot more PPR and touchdown love with all of the news surrounding some of the wide receivers uh the Kenny Britts and the Brandon Marshalls and the Crabtrees it seems like Macklin is in that discussion right around that area you know after Miles Austin and Mike Wallace and Dwayne Bowe and you know, the Mike Williams of Tampa, after they're off the board, I think I think you start getting into the Vincent Jacksons and the Jeremy Macklins and the Kenny Britts of the world. Where do you where do you see Macklin fitting into that discussion? Uh as far as redraft or dynasty, which you know, we're going dynasty here? Yeah, yeah, I was going dynasty. Okay. Um I think I think we're looking at Macklin right in that wide receiver 15 to 20 range. And the thing I really like about him is that he's the first wide receiver two in the NFL, not a fancy wide receiver two, but an NFL wide receiver two that's on this list. And remember with the days where he had Fitzgerald and Bolden or he had Ocho Cinco and Hushman Zada. The wide receiver two there is not going against the tougher matchup. So the thing I love about his situation for Macklin, he's got great skill. He's he's a number two, not going against the number one corner on defenses, and it's a pass happy offense. And Vic loves to throw the ball. This is the same thing would make Driver so such a force for so many years uh, with Green Bay and Brett Favre. I mean, you have Jennings going deep, but you love Driver every week getting his consistent performance, and that's where Macklin's going to be for the next several years. Jeff Pasquino from DynastyGuys.com joins us tonight. We uh, also have the weapons, uh, LaShawn McCoy, we talked about him, and he's being drafted right up near the very top of the running back 
echelon, and we've seen this before out of running backs who catch the ball. Uh, but 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 he has he's more than the Steve Slayton type. He catches the ball, he breaks the long ones. The first year, I was all over him his rookie season, and I was just I sold too early because I looked at it, I didn't see the leg power, I didn't see the 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 ability to push a pile and move the chains. And then the next year, I don't know, was it just the off-season workouts? What contributed to LaShawn McCoy's success? Because it was like night and day from year one to year two. Was it studying the playbook? What What do you think brought all that on? A, a few factors. I think the, the year one to year two in the NFL is huge, but because you have that, uh, that full off-season. When people forget in the first year, you only have a few months before you're right into training camp. You don't have a full off-season to learn the playbook and learn the whole offense. And Andy Reid's offense is complicated. Most West Coast offenses are. So he does not normally like to throw a lot of rookies out there to start with. So, But when you have uh, Westbrook there who is winding down, he's really learning from, he's learning the offense, learning how to, you know, really set his, you know, set him up, set him his, his blocks up and follow lead. But he's still not much of a between-the-tackles pounded kind of guy. The, the Eagles still struggle on third and short and fourth fourth down short yardage situations. That's why they had, had a guy like Leonard Weaver, uh, and that's why they drafted a fullback in the seventh round this year and also added Deion Lewis in the fifth. But I, I think that his pass catching has gone way higher. Vic certainly looks to him to dump it off to, uh, and so did Cobb. Uh, but now that Westbrook is not there, and the tight end is not a biggest factor, Selleck is really not the target. The targets are really going to the running back position. That has extremely boosted up McCoy's value. I see people drafting LaShawn McCoy, dude, as the number one player in all of a dynasty league, or in at least the top three. And I'm trying to get my head around how you can do that when the guy only had 207 carries last year. I mean, Ray Rice is a guy that I would draft all day long in front of LaShawn McCoy. He's a 300-carry back. Touchdowns are, are a fluctuation. It's, you know, the only thing that uh, LaShawn McCoy did better last year, well, I mean, obviously the yards per carry, you think they might give him some more touches, but that's Michael Vick's team. Then. I don't know if they're going to get – if LaShawn McCoy is a 300-carry back, can he can he step up that game and put pack another 50, uh, 50 rushes on there and keep up that yards per, ca- uh, per carry? Uh, I think he can, but the question is, will the Eagles' offense dictate uh, runs? That mostly they're they are a very high percentage screen team, and McCoy is one of the best at that. And Andy Reid views the screen passes an extension of the run game. So the question I have, as far as McCoy's value, is that you, you know how many of the how many times is it going to call his own number at the goal line and, and run the ball in himself? That's the downside. The downside is you know is McCoy going to get those short yards touches? The high side, of course, is that McCoy can score from virtually anywhere on the field if he breaks one. He can run that long distance. Ray Rice, he's got that potential, but. Willis McGahee's lurking every single year for them right now, and he he comes in and steals those touches at the goal line. So both those guys, I have them basically at that five six spot this year. For the your your after the first three or four guys are off the board, it's really how you feel about those two particular offenses and whether they get their points. So you have to start looking at other factors like schedule and whatnot if you're looking just for this year. But for the most part, I like Rice long ter- longer term because McGahee may not even be back this year, but he's certainly not coming back the year after. And then it's really Ray Rice's team, whereas McCoy, is always he's going to be there, but now Deion Lewis is on the team. They may be adding another running back. You know, rumors of Reggie Bush, I don't really buy into that. But they're a pass-first team, not a run-first, so he's not going to get the consistent touches that Ray Rice does in both as a rusher and a receiver. 
We get you to challenge the status quo here at Red versus Blue. We don't want you just taking LaShawn McCoy because everybody else is taking him that high. I want you to think about it. And when push comes to shove, Ray Rice gets the nod for me. Ray Rice gets the nod for Jeff Pasquino. Now, I want to bring on John Duckworth from the Big Effin Dynasty Show. I want to get his thoughts on LaShawn McCoy and just how high he has him in his dynasty rankings. John, are you with us, buddy? Yes, sir, I am, and I appreciate you having me on tonight, Scott. Uh, boy, I tell you what, I, I'm with Jeff in the fact that I've got those guys side by side. I actually have them four and five. Um, and right now, I have McCoy ahead of Rice, but I... It's they're so close that that it really doesn't. Uh, it to me, I, I can't separate them that much. I, the 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 one thing that I really like about Ray Rice this year in particular, and I know we're talking dynasty, but I mean, you got to have some tiebreakers in there when when they're this close. It, is the schedule of the uh, the entire. Uh, NFC North has this year. They, they pulled the uh, a couple of of, uh, of softer divisions in, in the West, um, and the uh, the AFC South and the uh, NFC West to go against. So I mean, th- there's going to be just some tremendous opportunity there for Ray Rice. So right now, it's it's Lashawn McCoy, but I, I'm don't hold me to that. John Duckworth from the B, the Big F and Dynasty Show. You guys had the uh, BFD Fantasy site go live today, and and I know you've uh, been really excited. And congratulations on you guys getting that site uh, to go live today. It looks fantastic. I've got my subscription in hand. If you're a if you're a high stakes fantasy player, it's a no brainer. You, uh, you you sign up for BFD to get the coaching tree, uh, which we've hyped here for for years. Um, as a uh, as a fancy relevant tool in the industry, and then obviously, I mean, you guys, you can't go wrong with the breakout player. I I already I'm you know in my circle of friends, we're already talking about who's going to be the breakout, who's going to be the the comeback player. And, and John, I think I told you on the phone the other day. I, I sat there and got a call as we were talking about the the comeback player last year, and I know I rattled off 17 names who I thought it might be before I got to Dwayne Bow, and. It's just it, it, it's not like he takes the gimme. You guys don't go to take the easy route and take Jermichael Finley. You know, you, you actually take somebody that most people aren't thinking about, and you uh, you, you put it, put yourself out there on a limb. And and uh, nine times out of ten, you're right. You know, it's uh, it, it's something that uh, we take a lot of pride in, and, and obviously most of that credit needs to go to Lou. But that, you know, there's a couple of things that that make. BFD unique, and those players are are certainly a, a big part of it. In the fact that you know, we don't give you one and then three honorable mentions. We give you one, and, and we're going to live and die with that breakout player for that year. We're going to live and die with that comeback player for that year. And uh, there's an awful lot of research that goes into it. I mean, the discussion will start with quite a few players, and we'll look at coaching tree, and we'll look at schedules, and then we finally figure out who it's going to be. And, you know, um, when it comes down to it, I mean, that calls Lou, and he's done a great job. You know, one of the neat things that that separates uh, BFD from some other sites, and uh, 
not to to pick on um, Jeff and as, as part of Football Guys because that's a site that I absolutely love the amount of information that comes out of. Uh, some great, great stuff there from a lot of great people. But when you talk about rankings, when you've got that many people ranking things, uh, unless you're just particularly following, you know, one person's rankings or something like that, you don't end up with, with a whole lot of out there on the limb because you're going to end up with the consensus, even if one or two people have somebody ranked crazy high and one or two have them ranked crazy low, it all comes back to the middle. And, you know, we're able to do things like a couple of years ago uh, when uh, Chris Johnson broke out, we had him as our number three ranked running back. Well, the consensus was, was nine or ten. And, you know, if you've got a bunch of people ranking, even though one or two of them may have him up there, he, he's just the consensus isn't going to get there. So we, we, we enjoy what we do. We're really excited about the site going live today. It's a new look. It's a great look. Content being added. Uh, the rankings were on when it came out today. I believe the coaching tree was supposed to be added around 8 o'clock this evening. I came straight in for work, so I haven't had a chance to check and see. But, um, yeah, super excited. Really appreciate you giving us the opportunity to come on and promote the site, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Let's talk some Dynasty. Yeah, it's a, it's a great evening for Dynasty fantasy football. The, the, the world of Dynasty football, like I said in the promo, is in really good hands with the likes of um, DynastyGuys.com and the Big F and Dynasty Show and BFE Fantasy. It's, it's really nice to see everybody embracing Dynasty football, which we love. I've been playing for like eight years now, and it's just it's an addiction. Once you get going, you don't want to uh, – you got something to occupy your season uh, in the off season Now, Johnny, I want to talk to you about uh, – and I've got Jeff on here too, so I want to get his thoughts as well, but I want to start with you. You've got a, a couple of guys that we, we want to talk about, and, and um, one of them is Austin Colley. It's a guy that uh, you guys have uh, talked about a lot. I've talked all, off the air with you a lot. And it's the guy that scares a lot of owners, but at the same time, he, he looks just like the perfect fit in this offense for the Indianapolis Colts. Talk about the concussion scare a little bit and why you feel comfortable ranking him so high. Well, I, I, I talk about Austin Colley just to drive my partner on the Big F and Dynasty show crazy. Uh, I, you, you can never predict injury. Now, granted, you know, a few years ago when you looked at Priest Holmes getting hurt every year, winding down his career, it was a lot easier to, to say something may happen there, let me go get Larry Johnson. But, uh, you know, Colley took some shots, but I think that the – you may see him alter a couple of things to to help prevent that in the future. You know, it's just it, it drives me crazy that people go, "Oh, he's so high risk." You know, he's he's one concussion away from being out of the league because he had three last year. Well, Aaron Rodgers had two, and nobody talks about that. He's everybody's number one quarterback. I'm telling you right now that this time next year, if Kylie does stay healthy, and I fully think he he's got a great chance to be. In PPR leagues, he's going to be a late first, early second round pick. Um, he 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 has a hundred, hundred and ten catches written all over him. He's going to get in the end zone. Um, you know, Peyton Manning loves the kid, uh, and, and the Reggie Wayne is. It, 
I'm not going to say that he's uh, he's over the hill because he's Reggie Wayne and he's a great receiver. But you saw the second half of the year, you saw him starting to wear down some. And, and usually when players get older, once they start going over that, that, that slope a little bit, they go quickly from there. So I'm a little bit scared of that. Um, Pierre Garçon, while he did have a better second half of the year, still scares me in terms of being able to catch. I don't know how much faith uh, Manning has in him. I know Manning has all the faith in the world in, in Dallas Clark and Austin Colley. And I think both of those guys could catch 100 balls apiece this year. I'm going to turn this over to Jeff Pasquino to talk about Austin Collie here because uh, he's got his rankings out. And it, and it differs from what, uh, obviously, that's that's the cool part about dynasty football. Everybody has a different take on these guys. And, and, and Jeff, I just want to say I'm looking at your rankings. And, and, and at first, some of, this, some of this, this, these rankings are the most in-depth rankings I think we've ever seen because not only do you look at an overall you look at a talent score and an opportunity score over the next three or four years, and it puts it all together. Talk about Austin Collie and where you have him. Well, yeah, the problem the problem I have with him is just that the very fact of that, you know, the injury thing, it really scares me. Yeah, there's no question that he put up numbers, but Dallas Clark wasn't really that healthy when he was playing, um, uh, and you know, Peyton Manning did not have all the ap- uh, weapons that he really wanted to. But no question, Austin Collie had a great, great season when he was healthy, but. You know, yeah, lots of players had lots of great seasons when they were healthy. Things change. We all know we know that football is very dynamic, and, and at the at the blink of an eye, a guy can go from here to zero. And that's what really scares me about Austin Collie. So, if there's guys out there who value Austin Collie in the wide receiver twenty to twenty five range, which many do, I don't. I'm trading him. I'm trading him, which I believe is a local max because I don't think he's going to go that much higher. I don't see him breaking into the, the top ten wide receivers. So why not trade it at the local peak and not take this risk that he could go over the middle one too many times and get lit up and never play again when I can go trade him for a, a Macklin or a Mike Wallace or someone closer comparable to that will put him in a, or put Collie in a little bit extra in the deal to get to that type of player with a much – I believe, a much higher floor and less risk for my team. So part of Dynasty is trading at the what you believe is the local maximums, getting that value, and building your team for the future and avoiding those risks. So that I would I would definitely trade him because I think this is a high point for his value. And I've also got Wayne Ellis in the chat room, who we all know has uh, Austin Collie, I believe, in his top ten or, or thereabouts. He's got him. Uh, he's got some serious man love for the Collie, the Collie machine. Uh, we've got a caller. I want to go ahead and take uh, a caller while we've got. Uh, we always want to get, make time for the for the callers on Red versus Blue. Eight one two, you're on the air uh, with Red versus Blue. Jeff Pasquino from Dynasty Guys and John Duckworth from the Big F and Dynasty Show. Yeah, my name's Steve from Evansville, Indiana. I look forward to joining the high-stakes fantasy football world. Been a big uh, fan of the show here, Red vs. Blue. I look forward to uh, looking into you guys' website. I just had a couple little questions about uh, the second-tier backs. Uh, first off, uh, I'm a big Bears fan, so I got all the love for Matt Forte. I want to know how you, what do you think he'll do this year? You know, he's been hill training like uh, the great Walter Payton. He's got that burst back, this rest, you know, for the first time since Tulane. And the other player would be LeGarrette Blunt, who I believe is going to have a huge year. I wouldn't have a problem starting my season with both those running backs. How do you feel about them and, and what they'll do this year? 
Jeff, I'll go ahead and give that one to you first, man. Uh, well, I like both those guys. I like Forte a lot more. I, I like guys that uh, they were they were the focus of the offense and and still put up big numbers in college. I mean, he played at, at Tulane and they just got lit up, and he still put up big numbers. So those kind of guys that can perform at that level with not much help really signifies that they're going to do well at the next level. That's something I look for coming out of college. So. Uh, Forte really was was hurting along with the rest of the Bears because the offensive line was a mess in the early, early part of last year. But I think he's really getting into that March offense. Remember, March, yes, he's high-powered offense with a lot of passing, but he did have Marshall Falk. So I'm not saying Forte's Falk, but he has the potential to put up pretty good numbers in that offense. Blunt, I think he was in a perfect situation. I think that they're going to try and find a second back in Tampa Bay and lower his value. I don't think Blunt put up nearly as much value because he did, he's not using the passing game at all. He's a great between-the-tackles runner, and he's got good value, but I don't think he's ever going to be that top-end t- tier guy. He'll always be a cut below Forte, but I think he's a solid and capable run, running back, too, for fantasy purposes. Yeah, you do have him uh, number 36 for Blunt and number 14 for Matt Forte. Uh, Johnny Duckworth, uh, talk about Forte and LeGarrette Blunt. Um, I love Forte. I've traded for Forte in a couple of dynasty leagues that, that I play in this year, and I think Forte is a very, very high second-round uh, pick in either redraft or dynasty, um, you know, you look at, yes, Mike Martz had Marshall Falk, but look at some other backs that uh, that Mike Martz had, and look at how many passes Frank Gore caught. Look at how many passes Kevin Smith caught. Uh, Matt, Matt Forte is going to catch 50 balls at the low end and 75 at the high end, and I love running backs. Now, most of what I play is PPR, but I love running backs that catch balls, period, because that's just, you know, that's that's added value, that's yards, that's touches. Um, and and Forte's a skilled receiver. Um, so absolutely, really, really, really like Forte. Um, LeGarrette Blount I'm not as high on. Uh, LeGarrette Blount, I, I would not want LeGarrette Blount as even a running back, too. Um, he just, just the opposite, just doesn't catch any balls. Um, now, uh, I, I just, Tampa Bay's got a lot of young pieces coming in this offense, but they're also building this defense, too. I can see Tampa Bay as a team that, that's going to win games 21 to 17, 17 to 14, and and LeGarrette Blunt's going to get plenty of carries. You know, he he's that 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 four minute offense where you're trying to run out the clock. Uh, he's going to get touchdowns, but I just hate to have running backs where I have to rely on them scoring touchdowns in in order to give me value. And you know, LeGarrette Blunt catching no passes and running for 85 yards if he doesn't get in the end zone. That's 8.5 points. That's getting me beat that week. So I I, I wouldn't. LeGarrette Blunt's not anybody I feel great about. Matt Forte certainly is. All right. Hey, Steve from Evansville, thanks for the call, man. Uh, Steve in the chat room also says Jamal Charles is his number one pick in PPR. So, uh, Steve, uh, great great call there, man. I, I can see it. It's Arian Foster. You got him over Arian Foster, huh? Sure do. 
All right, well, no, uh, no complaining here. Peter. It just runs. All right, guys, well, I appreciate having me on. Thanks, man. Take care. All right, guys, we're going to bring on uh, yet another force in the world of Dynasty football, Michael Bronte, uh, the co-host of Big F and Dynasty Show. Mike, we've got uh, you. We've got your buddy John here. We've got Jeff Pasquino from Dynasty Guys. We've got it's a lot of Dynasty love here tonight, man. How's it going? Hey, Scotty. Hey, great to be here, John. What's up, partner? And Jeff, and glad you could make it. Of course, I'm loving the uh, Dynasty Dynasty format tonight. Let's get it on, brother. All right. Well, right off the bat, we want to ask you about where you know, Mike Wallace seems to. Anytime uh, the word Michael Bronte comes around, it's and Mike Wallace comes out uh, pretty quickly after, and it, the love is at an all-time high. Like I said in the promo. And the guy didn't crack 100 targets, and people are ranking him top 10. And I'm not saying he's not going to do it. I just want to understand it a little more. Will Will you take him over a Miles Austin with Romo back in the fold, and uh, and why? Not only would I take him over Miles, I would take him over Calvin Johnson, and I'll tell you why. He didn't need uh, 147 targets or 150 targets to get what he got, and he still did this with missing Roethlisberger for four games. And what's great about Wallace is, aside from just the ADP thing of where you're going to get him, he's a steal, at least as of today. I think guys are slowly wising up because I've been banging the soapbox about him for for a month now. But uh, to me, he's got the best team, the best system, the best quarterback, the least competition on the team. Everything's in this guy's favor. He only played two years. He's only going to get better. I, I see his targets going up. I see the Steelers becoming more of a passing offense. Everything favors this guy. He's only getting better as a receiver. And I'm a, and I'm a Miles Austin guy. And, uh, but with so many weapons on that team, with Dez, DeMarco Murray, Jason Witten, I think uh, the path is much clearer for, for Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace, you know, a staggering you know, 21 yards per catch. I know he's not going to keep up that pace. But for a guy to get 10 touchdowns on 99 targets, the targets should only go up. And even if they stay the same, for where you get this guy, you, you can't miss. You can't go wrong with him. Invictus Peasy, very high on Mike Wallace. I'm going to turn it over to Jeff Pasquino from DynastyGuys.com for a converse uh, point-counterpoint kind of production here on Mike Wallace. You got him number 20. Uh, I like Mike Wallace. I do. I, I think he's definitely got that upside of a wide receiver one, but touchdowns are very – you know, hit or miss. I mean, you just uh, – not many guys get double-digit touchdowns, even the best of them. Um, and I think that teams are really starting to say, you know, maybe we don't need to put too much coverage in Heinz Ward. He's just a possession guy. So they're going to be targeting more and more covering. That. And you got teams that are getting better. And right now that division has very weak secondary side from Baltimore, and Baltimore is still trying to, to boot beast up their their corners so for me uh, i'm i'm going I, no way i think mike wallace is my first wide receiver off the board there's, there's just no way there's just easily five or six names that i could prattle off you know take either johnson ahead of him for example it's just mike wallace definitely has upside of a uh, a top 10 guy but i don't think I, I don't think he's quite there and pittsburgh is still at heart uh, a, def- a defense first, run the ball second kind of team. Yes, they want balance. Yes, Big Ben is good, but Big Ben gets hurt too, and they don't oh, have much on. behind him. Johnny D, I'm going to let you break the tie here. I'm I'm right there, sort of in the middle of both these guys. Mike well, Wallace is for me is around that uh, number number ten range for me. I'll tell you that you know every tandem as as Michael and I are generally you know 
one person um, has the looks and one person has the brain, and, and Michael's a beautiful man. So how did I end up with both, uh, John? Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think Jeff was right on point with a lot of what he was saying in terms of, you know, touchdowns are, are hard to replicate. And as Michael even said himself, there uh, you're going to see some regression in terms of uh, of an average per catch. Um, so when you, when you you put both of those things together, you start putting a number one cornerback um, on him. I just uh, not that I don't like him. I'm just not quite as high as some people are. Um, I, I don't feel good. Uh, Having him as a number one receiver, I'd feel much better having him as a number two. Although he may put up numbers to be a number one, I think it's it, it's borderline. And to say that you would take him ahead of Calvin Johnson is asinine. Okay, let me retort to everyone at the table. The injury risk with the quarterbacks was brought up. Um, did Tony Romo not get hurt last year? What happened to Miles Austin's numbers when that happened? Uh, ben, does, ben does not get hurt. You know, let's let's not. He doesn't miss any length of time. I should say, the, the man was suspended for four games, and Wallace still put up these numbers. And I will make the argument that Wallace is still the better pick, where you could forego taking the risk of a Calvin Johnson, who has, let's face it, one of the most fragile quarterbacks in the league. So I would rather take a steady player that I could depend on in the first round, swing back and get a Mike Wallace. And I, guess what? I would put those two guys up against you taking. Calvin Johnson in the first round, or whoever you're going to get in the second round. Now, Mike Wallace, yeah, he's not going, to, not going to. I don't see him keeping up that pace of yards per catch. But I see his targets going up. And what do you think? Number one, number one D-backs were not on this guy by the end of last year. Do you want to know how many times he was targeted in, in the Super Bowl last year? Sixteen times. Now the Packers Tell, have one tell of the me how many teams. times he was targeted in the playoff games leading up to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and guess what? He was playing top cornerbacks during that time, and he put up numbers. And how many times trusts him? How many so, times did Calvin Johnson beat a double team? He gets it a lot. That's my point. He still put up. He still beat 140 targets. Put up the same the same touchdowns as Mike Wallace is giving you. So I don't see Calvin Johnson's targets are going to continue like that, and I don't like what goes on with that quarterback system there. Give me Ben Roethlisberger every day of the week over Matt Stafford, and give me well, Mike uh, Tomlin over, over the, the system that's there. Oh, Again, I, I wish you well. Getting can... these guys. It's for where you're getting them. You've got, to take, you've got to take Calvin Johnson in your top five, top seven in a dynasty. I could get Mike Wallace at the end of the second or the third round, and you guys are all saying, yeah, he could put up close to those numbers. So uh, what's the argument? I don't get it. Good point. Good point on both sides. That's why we, uh, that's why we want to have the discussion. Mike Wallace is one of these controversial picks because never before have we seen a wide receiver do what he did on less than 100 targets. I have to find the stat. I know I posted about it earlier this year. It's just something you don't see a lot of. And so whether that is the talent or is that the fluky touchdown factor, that's kind of where we're at. We have to, both, both sides are going to have to agree to disagree. We're going to move on. Everybody loves this Mark, um, Mark Ingram kid, Bronte. But what happened to the Ryan Williams love? He was drafted number 38 overall to the Arizona Cardinals. And now he's dropping out of the, the top four in these rookie drafts. And I posted about it on the Football Guys message board, and, and there's, there's some discussion going on about it. Uh, Invictus, break it down for us so we can all understand it. 
All right. I know you got much, much love for Ryan Williams. And as a talent, he's probably uh, after Ingram. I still put him after Ingram as a talent as far as uh, above Daniel Thomas, above LaShore, above Vereen, all those guys that are going after him. And you and I chatted about this a little bit the other day. It's the system, Scotty. It's uh, the horrible offensive line in Arizona. He's got two other pretty capable backs to contend with that, you know, uh, Hightower is a very good pass blocker, and I think Ryan Williams can do it, and I'm not going to argue he's at least as good or better than Beanie Williams, uh, Beanie, uh, Beanie at this point. But he's, they're still not getting time to work. And guess what? All those fantasy guys, yeah, you want to see Ryan Williams on the field. The Cardinals are not looking at it that way. They don't have to brush him out there. They could still give uh, Beanie plenty of time to see what they have with him. They invested a lot of money in this guy. They still don't have, we still don't know who the quarterback's going to be on that team. So for the next two to three years, I see a lot, a lot of growing pains on that team. And I see, I don't know if I see any clear-cut number one running back coming out of there. I mean, they'll most likely move one of those guys next year unless any of them uh, separate themselves. And they may not this year. They may be forced to keep all three of them. I mean, I don't know what Hightower, what he gets paid. They, uh, again, you know, they invested a lot in Beanie, so... You had to temper the, the Ryan Williams <laughs> Express. Uh, I know you, you have your team uh, called that, but you have to uh, temper your love for Ryan uh, at least this year because of uh, so much uh, unknowns on that team, and they're going to try to get their money's worth out of Beanie. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of money invested there. Jeff Pasquino, I want to turn it over to you. Ryan Williams, I know you have him in the dynasty that we're in. I've tried to get him. I offered Peyton Hill it straight up, and you rejected Talk about Ryan Williams. Uh, well, Ryan Williams. Unfortunately, I don't get as much get to watch as much college football as I'd like to. But Virginia Tech is definitely a team I keep my eye on, and uh, I've got a lot of in-laws and where I'm at, and I, I watch the Hokies a lot. Ryan Williams is definitely a guy for me. I, he's gonna. I, I like Tim Hightower. He's one of the first guys that was on the on the uh, the Tim Hightower bandwagon way early in when he was drafted. But Ryan Williams is going to be the guy. Sooner rather than later, if not right out of the gate for for uh, the Cardinals, and I'm not buying this whole argument about uh, all this money invested in Beanie Wells. The guy has, you know, his, he's on this. He's most of the money he's already paid. He's he's on the docket right now for less than a million a year. That's all that's left on his contract. So just just because that he they, they already spent the money doesn't mean they're going to keep him around. Sure, I would keep him because he's cheap, but. They've already said that Ryan Williams was a huge value. He's he's he doesn't fumble. Everybody's looking at his highlights from last year, not saying he's not that good. Look a year back because he played all last year hurt. He hurt both hamstrings all year. Look at his '09 highlights and see much better performance. The one knock I have on him, which I completely agree with, he doesn't really have a top end gear. But not many backs in the NFL do. So Williams is going to be the guy and the quarterback in there. It, it, go back to my Philly con- connections. Kevin Cobb is the quarterback for the Arizona, just ready in ink right now. And he's going to be dumping the ball off to, be, to not to Beanie Wells, not to Tim Hightower, but Ryan Williams for 40 or 50 catches. And when you see that, what that does to the values of Jamal Charles and Sean McCoy, I don't say Ryan Williams is, is a top 10 running back now, but I think in 2012 we're going to be saying, how do we miss the boat on this guy? Because he's definitely going to be a stud RB1 for the years to come. Johnny D, you're the tiebreaker. Ryan Williams at four or Daniel Thomas? It's your call. Um, Daniel Thomas at four, Ryan Williams, or Greg Little at five. Um, I I can see 
both arguments. Uh, I was higher on Daniel Thomas than just about anybody before he landed in the situation in Miami where everybody then moved him way up their boards. Um, I think uh, I think Daniel Thomas uh, has got a chance to be a, a, a very good back in this league. I also think the same thing about Ryan Williams. Uh, I, I had those guys two and three on my board going into the draft behind Ingram and and ahead of LaShore and others, and nothing has changed there. They're, they're both going into similar situations where they're going to start out probably primarily as committee guys. And, um, you know, the way the NFL is going these days, they they may spend their whole career as committee guys because we're just seeing less and less of the three down back. Uh, but uh, assuming that Ryan Williams can pass block, which is, is an unknown at this point, I think uh, I think he's got the skill set. You know, he didn't catch a lot of balls at, at Virginia Tech, but he certainly can catch the ball. I don't I don't think that that's an issue at all. I know the uh, the Cardinals had him ranked very highly on their board, and were, were more than pleased to take him there. Um, and 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 Jeff's right about about Beanie in terms of they don't have a lot invested in, in the, at this point. The biggest thing they have invested is the first round pick and the pride of that, much more so than the money that's left on the books. But I do think it'll be uh, more of a committee with Wells. And uh, I think Hightower is going to be the odd man out. I think he just put the ball on the ground entirely too much, as opposed to Beanie Wells, who put it on a little bit. Now, Wells has got to prove he stays healthy. If he does, uh, I don't know that uh, you you, you look at Ryan Williams as a a top ten back, but certainly could be a, a, a top 15 to top 20 guy. I just couldn't stand how we drafted Wells so high last year. Our fourth round is high, right? I mean, and we got nothing for it in return, 116 carries. We got more carries from a Timmy Hightower. And his yards per carry killed Beanie Wells last year. So, yeah, there was injuries and all that in the O-line. But for my money, I like the, the coaching staff speaks volumes no matter what the prognosticators say. Now, I love the prognosticators. That's why I have them on the show. But the fact is the coaching staff loves Ryan Williams. They had him at number 15 on their big board. They drafted the guy because they couldn't turn him down because they believe they have themselves a little dynamite in that package. So they're going to they're gonna give the guy the rock. Now, let's move on from Ryan Williams because I could start on that all day. I linked the thread, the football guy's thread in the chat room. Johnny, I want to bring up uh, the tight end that you've had that you talked about all year. Uh, it's New Orleans' own. It's Jimmy Graham. Just how high are we talking about drafting Jimmy Graham in startup dynasty drafts? Is he top five? Uh, in my book, he's uh, he's number three. <laughs> and, and, and I may move him past Vernon Davis to number two. Um, you know, I, I know everybody talks about the fact that, that Jimmy Graham has been hyped and hyped and hyped, and he's no longer a value, and there's all this hype. You know, um, there is. But I I was on Jimmy Graham last year. I I drafted him everywhere I could. At one point in time, I owned him on eight out of eight dynasty teams. Uh, His coach called him the steal of the draft. The Saints had 150 
tight end targets for the last three years. Um, and this year, you know, you're going to have two tight ends, not three, to split up those targets. Dave Thomas is going to get his. But I'm telling you, you, you can expect Jimmy Graham to get 100 to 110 targets. I expect him to get 60 catches on the low end and 80 at the high end, and he is going to be a red zone terror. And he will do nothing but get better. I mean, this is a kid that is raw, raw, raw. Played one year of football at uh, Miami. He's a basketball player. And you can draw the analogies and say, you know, people are trying to make him into Antonio Gates because he played basketball. Well, he's got every bit of athletic ability, if not more, than Antonio Gates. And I have no problem drafting him as, like I said, the second or third tight end off the board in the dynasty startup. I wish you wouldn't give out that information, Johnny, because I'm high on the kid as well. 6'6", 265 now. He's added 10 pounds of muscle in the offseason, so he doesn't get these injuries. Uh, point counterpoint here, Michael Bronte, uh, Jimmy Grant. I'm only too happy to take the air out of the balloon, Scott. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad I could be the voice of reason. John, in all the years New Orleans been playing, and I know you follow them, when has one tight end or any – we'll stick with the tight ends. When has any one tight end been targeted as many times as you're talking about? And as we, we spoke about this on, uh, on Jim's show the other day, Drew Brees set a record last year for spreading the ball around to, uh, I think, more guys than ever in, in history, more receivers on his team, caught, caught at least 20 receptions last year. What – in the name of God's earth, makes you think he's going to be targeted that many times and get that many receptions and that many touchdowns, especially in comparison to other tight ends that you can take. And in the fact that they took Mark Ingram in the draft and the fact that they didn't get to where they wanted to be last year, having to throw the ball a little bit more than they wanted to. They want to get back to more of a running game. And he's got a lot to learn. He's not in camp now. He did get dinged up a little bit. I watched him get lost in an offense last year. I'm not saying the kid can't play, and he's a fantastic athlete. But to have him ranked ahead of guys that have been doing it for years, guys in their prime, on a team that notoriously spreads the ball around, I just cannot for the life of me justify where that guy is, where you're, where you're recommending him. Well, let's, let's break the tie here because we've heard two great uh, sides of the story. But we've got Jeff Pasquino from Dynasty Guys, who also has him uh, sort of, from what I can tell by the rankings here, uh, kind of in the middle of both. Yeah, and I'm going to have to straddle the fence on this one. I've got Graham right about uh, number 10, number 9, number 10, where I think he should be. I understand the argument for drafting him high, but I think at this point, it, we're reaching pandemonium over hype at this point. This is the bump thinly in the shark pool kind of type of uh, vernacular right now. Everything is leaning towards the positives on this guy. Well, let's look at the negatives, the possibilities here. If Reggie Bush is gone and Lance Moore are gone, if both those guys are no longer in the Saints offense this year, I say more power to you. Graham is the guy, absolutely, because there's a lot of targets that are now available for the tight end position. However, if Bush and or Moore are there, one or both, then I don't think you're going to see as much uh, volume and activity for Graham as you might think. I think the value is there if you get him in the tight end 10 to 11, 12 range. But if you're skipping over him for a couple other guys, if you're taking him over Vernon Davis 
or Zach Miller in, in, in Oakland. I mean, some of those guys that are right there and have proven it, uh, I think you're bordering on looking way too much in the rose-colored glasses at Jimmy Graham. He's a good tight end with a great system. Drew Brees has certainly thrown the tight end in the past in San Diego, but let's not make every bas- ex-basketball NFL player into Antonio Gates 2.0. Hey, good point. You know, it seems like you don't need 100 targets as a tight end to be a top weapon. You know, we saw that with Mercedes Lewis. We've seen that with uh, Vernon Davis. You can be – look, Antonio Gates was the number two tight end last year with 65 receptions, and and he's used to a little bit of group breed. Last year the Saints threw threw to the tight ends about 150 times. So I don't think there's anything wrong with Jimmy Graham getting two-thirds of the tight end receptions in that offense. Final point goes to Johnny D. If you haven't made it already, Jimmy Graham. Well, uh, again, I mean, the Saints have almost averaged 150 targets the last three years for tight ends. You've only got two that are going to be a factor. You know, Lance Moore and Reggie Bush and all these other guys, they've been here the last three years while tight ends have been getting these targets. They're just not going to be spread around as much anymore with, with Shockey being hurt and Billy Miller and and all of these other guys. Uh, you're definitely going to see uh, Jimmy Graham get two-thirds of the tight end targets. Next up on the docket is a uh, wide receiver for the Indianapolis Colts. We talked about one already. We're going to talk about the other over his last eight games. He was the number two wide receiver in all of fantasy football, yet nobody's talking about Pierre Garçon. All they want to talk about are those first couple of games. You know, week one, we're all sitting in Vegas, right? You remember, we're sitting there, we're watching the games, and Garçon against Houston has a couple of epic drops. And I remember I had John Wright from Indianapolis. He's on the FPA board. He was on our show, and he called Pierre Garçon a bust. He was like, I don't like him. I don't think he's going to work out well, and, he, and he's just too unreliable. In week one against Houston, you know, he's dropping touchdowns left. I was like, what's going on here? But the last eight weeks of the season, there was only one receiver better, and that was Greg Jennings. So I'm going to start with Michael Bronte, uh, us on Pierre Garçon. That's not a hard sell, Scotty, and, and you started it off well. He, uh, he finished up really, really strong. Actually, in weeks 11 through 17, he only had one game in single digits. He had three games over 20 points. Uh, actually, when you needed them, weeks 13 through 17, he ended up with five TDs. Now, the drops are over overrated, I think. And, uh, yeah, he did have some ugly drops, but he's also made some jaw-dropping catches that many of the receivers in the league cannot do. And this guy brings more to the table as far as a strength and run after the catch then I would say 90% of the receivers in the league. And as far as risk goes, and I had to agree on what Jeff said earlier regarding Collie, and I know John loves him and I, I root for the kid, but the safe pick here, the best pick for Dynasty, and the future of that team, you, you want the right receiver, is Pierre Garçon. Because, yeah, Wayne is entering his twilight years. Collie is the giant risk. So who does that leave? Even Dallas Clark is getting, getting older, and I love the guy, and he's still going to get his for the next year or two. So what does that leave on the table? Who? The healthy guy, the strong guy, the guy who Peyton Manning took under his wing at the end of the, the season last year when his numbers took a tremendous boost. And I know you guys have heard me say this once or twice before that have listened to the show regarding him. Manning in his, in his whole life has only worked with, he does a uh, route tree before every game, and he finally 
took Pierre Garçon into that route, uh, route tree that he runs before every game, and only Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne had done it there in Manning's whole career. And Garçon began to do that with him, and Garçon's numbers took a big uptick. And another thing that happened with this guy, you know, he's Haitian and everything that happened with the uh, – again, I don't want to make excuses for him, but from what I understand, he was very distracted, yada, yada, all that stuff. But to me, he's nothing but upside. I mean, he's on one of the best passing offenses in the league. What's not to like about him? And bottom line is where you're getting him in comparison to, to other receivers that you're going to be drafting around his uh, his ADP. Not, not, I'm not a big ADP guy, but – Again, where you're getting the value of this guy, I don't, I don't see a downside for him. I really don't. So, so tell me, tell me what's wrong with him. Well, he is around. He is around wide receiver thirty right now, and I want to turn this over to Jeff Pasquino of DynastyGuys.com, who has a strong opinion about Pierre Garcon, as evidenced by his ranking. Well, I got him right right in there with his ADP, wide receiver thirty-two, and I'll tell you why. I, I think I, I agree that he's got. Good value. I, I agree that he's the beneficiary if Austin Collie's not there or Dallas Clark isn't there. We know both those guys get hurt and all that story. That's all great. The real story with Pierre Garcon is that he is a strong wide receiver, too, in a passing happy offense. As soon as Reggie Wayne is no longer there, Pierre Garcon's value goes down because he's not a number one. He's not going to beat the top coverage. He's not going to be demanding the ball. He's not a split end. He's not. A, he's a split end. He's not a flanker, which means he's not going to be your X receiver. He's not going to beat that that mean coverage. So I don't think I don't think he's going to be able to handle uh, the, the coverage that's going to come when Reggie Wayne retires or Garcon tries to get that big contract and goes Alvin Harper. Uh, and goes to Tampa Bay and gets that big numbers. It's just not going to happen. That's going to be his peak, and he's going to go decline from there. So, enjoy the ride while you got him right now in, for the Colts and, and putting up solid numbers. But he is a good player in a great situation, just like Joseph Adai. And now, as soon as the the page is ready to turn, it's time to move on. I would sell him uh, probably at the end of this year before his contract is up, and and just reap the benefits now for one more year, then move on and try and find a better guy who can be as capable of being a top 15 guy. Johnny D is going to be the tiebreaker through five games. Garcon only had 10 catches, yet he turned it around. Wayne Ellis in the chat room says, you could argue that Blair White was better. Johnny D. Um, you know, he, everybody talks about what Kylie did in relation to when Clark was there, and the and the and the fact is, is that Kylie did a lot when Clark was on the field. Garcon did what he did when he was the only guy standing. I mean, we we had the the backup tight end, we we had the the receivers, and guys like Blair White who really were marginal practice squad to barely making the, the, the 53-man roster kind of guys. Um, Garcon's okay. He, he's in a good situation, and I agree with what Jeff says. I, I see him in, in that Alvin Harper, Peerless Price kind of mold. Um, you know, he's he's got okay upside, but he's got some, some, some scary downside, and he just doesn't have enough upside. Jeff said something earlier when we were talking about Austin about Austin, you can find guys that, that, that have a higher floor. Well, I don't want a higher floor. I, I, I don't care about high floors don't win my leagues. High ceilings win my leagues, hitting those guys. And I don't think Pierre Garçon's a high ceiling guy. 
All right, we're moving on. That was the Pierre Garçon discussion. Mike Thomas in Jacksonville, the skill set, well, I think we all fell in love with uh, at the Combine coming out with he and Jared Dillard that were big. Uh, the football guys uh, were, were big fans of his um, from the Audible. But is he in the right situation to succeed in Jacksonville? I'm going to turn this one over first uh, to Jeff Pasquino uh, from DynastyGuys.com. We're talking about Mike Thomas. Uh, the burner, man. He, he's got the speed. Now it looks like he's the number one. Sims Walker is gone. Just how high can we drop draft Sims Walker in dynasty startups? Well, Sims Walker is all over the map, but I think you, you, as you're focusing on Mike Thomas here, Mike oh, Thomas, yeah. is, he's a fish out of water as a wide receiver one. I don't believe that he can carry a passing game. I think he's much better as a wide receiver two. Um, I think Jason Hill is much better as a wide receiver three, and I think Cecil Shorts is much better as a wide receiver four. So Jacksonville is going to have to go out there and add somebody, like a, somebody to fill a gap for right now because these other guys are not going to fill those roles at, at, at one step up. It's just not going to work for all those guys. So you make all three of those guys better by going out and renting a wide receiver one like an Ocho Cinco or a Randy Moss or somebody who can who can at least pose as a wide receiver one and demand better coverage. I think Ocho Cinco is probably going to be your guy in Jacksonville, which makes all of them much better. Thomas is a very good run-after-the-catch guy, go-over-the-middle, out-of-the-slot, um, wide receiver two possession guy. He's not a beat-the-number-one-corner-every-week kind of wide receiver. Mike Thomas, wide receiver, 27 in the NFL last year in PPR leagues. you got to think he's going to get more than four targets than last year. He was at 100 targets last year, turned it into 66 catches. Sims Walker's gone, and Gerard is playing for his life, it looks like. Uh, Michael Bronte, I turn it over to you. Mike Thomas. There's not a lot I'm going to argue with Jeff. He he made interesting point. No, he's not a wide receiver, number one. But unfortunately, and at least for this year, uh, we can benefit from the fact that he probably will end up playing wide receiver number one on that team. I don't know if I see an Ocho going there. Maybe. Uh, i got to give it to Thomas. He did a lot with a little. He had ten games with with double-digit point output uh, on 101 targets, which was a good amount. The team threw a lot. uh, The problem is with him, he's not a red zone guy. But, again, I look for where you're getting this guy. Uh, He doesn't have tremendous upside. I mean, again, this is the year you're going to want to have him. I'm sure he's going to see more than the uh, 100 targets he saw last year. Even if you have an uptick to like 120, 130, there are not a lot of wideouts in the league that get targeted uh, 120, 130 times. Even if he, even if he gets 10 or 15 more, one or two a game, there are not many guys you're going to find with that. And with targets comes points. And for where you're getting this guy, he's he's a great deal by all means and and he can play he's a he's a plucky kid and again no way is he a wide out number one but get on your team he's, he doesn't have to be a wide out one you're going to get him you know he's your wide out four or wide out five and he still has some upside from that point but uh yeah i would i would draft him this year for you get him in a great spot and, and sell him i think uh you know he's going to get thrown out a lot garson's going to as you said scott going to have to play his, play his ass off if he wants to uh end up playing somewhere so to me, Mike Thomas is a, is a good buy where you're getting him. I, I can't really say too much else about him. That's all right, man. Fantasy Trader had a good post on the football guy boards, and he, he talked about catch percentage. And regards to Mike Thomas, it was very healthy at 66% last year. And he said other than Sims Walker and Mike Thomas, no other Jag wide receiver was targeted more than 22 times. 
Your number three is not even targeted 22 times. So it's a it's a tight end running back offense with a couple wide receivers. But what that says to him was, like it or not, you know what? Even if he gets 30% of what Sims Walker, you know, left on the table, we're looking at an 83-catch, 1,000-yard season. And, you know, who knows about the touchdowns. But I remember Johnny D in, in camp last year, everybody was talking about Mike Thomas turning those corners around it wasn't Sims Walker, it was Mike Thomas, and he was just a just a rookie coming out. So talk about uh, or, or second year guy now. What what do you uh, what do you make of Mike Thomas? Um, I agree with a lot of what uh, both Jeff and, and Michael said. I think I'm probably a little bit higher on uh, on Mike Thomas than either of them, although not a tremendous amount. But I will tell you, in a PPR league, I feel very comfortable running Mike Thomas out there as my number three wide receiver. Um, And and that's the area that you're going to draft him. I mean, in Dynasty, you're going to take him as early as the sixth round and probably as late as the eighth round. Um, And and you're you're probably looking at him then as a wide receiver three. And he's a guy that I can be very comfortable with having as as my wide receiver three and trotting him out there every week. Would you rather have Johnny Knox, Jacoby Ford, or Mike Thomas? Rank those three, guys. Johnny Knox, Jacoby Ford, or Mike Thomas? Dynasty League. You, you, you know, the reason I'm laughing, Scott, is is I do a thing on Twitter now every day called um, the Twitter 3D, which is uh, Dynasty da- uh, Daily Decision. And, and the one that I put out there today was Mike Thomas or Jacoby Ford. And I will tell you that uh, – it's uh, it was split pretty close, but uh, I'll say in, in PPR I, I would rather have uh, I'd rather have Mike Thomas first, Jacoby Ford, who was the third guy, Johnny, Johnny Knox. Knox. He 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 would be third on my list out of those three guys. Um, I I don't know what's going on in Chicago, but Johnny Knox I guess is in a similar situation when you talk about guys that are masquerading as number ones because that's that's what uh johnny knox did and he's he's not a number one he doesn't fight for the ball he doesn't run discipline routes uh i see bigger bigger things for earl bennett there uh andy patoos coming out of the cfl is a, is a deep deep sleeper kind of guy and you you may see somebody else land via free agency uh, in Chicago, whether it's a uh, a Sidney Rice or even a Malcolm Floyd or somebody. So uh, I, I, I would go Thomas by a little over Ford and either one of those by a fairly decent margin over Knox. It just seems like every year it's the uh, discussion. You remember the incredible hype on Johnny Knox? And we started to see this ADP climb on this kid where I swear I was watching him being drafted in the fifth round, and, and it was all the Mike Mars effects in Chicago. But it seems like all the love this year is on a Jacoby Ford. And, you know, it's not really Mike Thomas as much as it is Jacoby Ford. But I'm wondering, they're kind of all in that same kind of skill set, the fast burners. But, uh, Bronte, you're a Jacoby Ford guy, right? I know you had him in a dynasty league, but you did trade him. So you're not afraid to trade uh, a guy on the uh, on the uptick here. 
I love his talent. Don't love the team or the situation. Let's face it, the Raiders are a train wreck every year. I don't like uh, Jason Campbell uh, long term. Jacoby Ford would be a great guy on another team. He's not that much different than Mike Thomas. He's actually faster. He gets downfield a little bit better than Mike Thomas. They're, They're very similar players. If I had to rank the three of them right now for dynasty purposes, I'd go Thomas, Ford, Knox. Knox, to me, one trick pony, really hard guy to throw at. Uh, I think Cutler's quarterback percentage, uh, as far as being picked off, was the worst. Or uh, Johnny Knox had the worst percentage in the league of being thrown at, as far as passes intercepted. He's a really hard guy to throw at, especially in those conditions. Uh, I mean, obviously, all they keep saying is they're looking for somebody else to bring on the Bears. And again, I don't, you know, Jacoby Ford. I like him. I just, I, I don't like that team. I, I don't know. Uh, he's going to get thrown at a bit more this year. You know, great, great talent. Don't, don't like the team. Let's move on to uh, something I found very, dis- very interesting on Dynasty, guys. We've got a couple minutes left in the show. We did run into overtime tonight because the show was just really flowing. You guys have been incredible tonight. Uh, Jeff Pasquino, I'm looking at your rankings on DynastyGuys.com, and you already have A.J. Green as the number seven wide receiver overall in a, re- in a Dynasty uh, format. Number seven overall. For a rookie, we haven't seen anything like that in, well since Calvin Johnson. Talk about why AJ Green is going to be so successful. Talent and opportunity. Uh, it's just uh, the youth, the talent. I mean, the guy just demonstrated every time he took the field in college that he was a dominant player. The ball was his. He he has great hands, great root running, can get deep, good speed, uh, plays the ball at the highest point. And he is going into a position where Cincinnati needs to throw the ball a lot. I know the one downside, obviously, is the quarterback situation, but it, that can be resolved. We know that Calvin Johnson, you know, he wasn't going to the best quarterback situation. He's not always in the best quarterback situation, but he still is a dominant player. Wide receivers get a lot of love, a lot of a lot of attention for a long time. They last a long time, and I think that his talent plus his opportunity with both wide receivers on the outs that are that were the starters last year with Ocho Cinco and T.O. gone, A.J. Green is probably going to be the number one guy for the Bengals for the next 10 years. I'm looking at the, the rankings uh, on your on your site, and that means that you would take A.J. Green ahead of Brandon Marshall. So I'll pose that question to Invictus uh, of the Big F and Dynasty show. A.J. Green ahead of Marshall, somebody that has already proven what he can do. Uh, now, again, he's got the same issue, right, at Miami, so not a, not a big passing offense. I would take him ahead of Marshall in a heartbeat, although I don't think A.J. Green were ever going to see the best of this kid. Again, one of the worst franchises in the history of the NFL, Cincinnati Bengals, in, a, in constant mess. I do like Andy Dalton a little bit better than people are giving him credit for, but I would have loved to see seen A.J. Green what he could do on a real team. It's It's a shame he's going to have to struggle so much there. Brandon Marshall, his best days are past. I'm not saying he, he's not a guy you want on your team at this point, but the long term, it's a no-brainer. I take A.J. Green over Marshall. Marshall, every spring, we got to wonder if he's going to you know, ha- have a, a limb cut off by one of his wives or, or what have you. And Same thing, Miami, they're going to they're be struggling with quarterback issues for the next couple of years. Uh, they're just waiting for somebody better to come along than Henny, and by then, Marshall's going to be winding down, and the best days of his career are already passed. Johnny D, uh, Jeff Pasquino has A.J. Green number seven uh, over the likes of Des Bryant. Uh, that makes for an interesting conversation. Green over Marshall or Green over Bryant, either one? 
Um, you know, Marshall I'm not I'm not sure about, but I, I don't have AJ Green at number seven. I, I don't have AJ Green close to number seven. Um wide receivers are 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 very, very hard to to figure out and off the, the the top of my head, there there are several guys, including Mike Wallace, who we talked about earlier. And I told you I'm not as high as some people. I would take Mike Wallace in a heartbeat over AJ Green. I would trade AJ Green, a first round pick, and a very high commodity to get Des Bryant. Um. I, I I don't think that that's close. I I don't think I think Des Bryant is is the talent that you haven't seen since Calvin Johnson coming out of school. I I don't think that uh, that AJ Green is in that same category. Not saying the kid isn't talented. Um, he is. He's also in Cincinnati, uh, which doesn't necessarily lead to great things. I mean, that organization seems to always be in flux. Uh, but I I will tell you that over a career that out of this draft class that Julio Jones, Greg Little, Leonard Hankerson, Vincent Brown all have a chance to put up numbers like A.J. Green. Not saying they will. I, I have A.J. Green ranked higher than any of those guys but not with a warm, fuzzy feeling that, oh, boy, I've got A.J. Green. Now, pass. Give me Des Bryant every time. Let me rebut that just a little bit, Scott. Uh, this is Jeff here. But oh, I, sorry, to- Jeff. I totally agree that Des Bryant has more talent than A.J. Green, but this is why my rankings look at talent and opportunity. There's no one else who's going to get the targets that A.J. Green is going to get in Cincinnati. Dow, uh, Des Bryant has to fight. Uh, Miles Austin and Jason Witten for targets. Yes, he's got a better quarterback with Romo, but A.J. Green is going to see a ton of targets and opportunities to perform in Cincinnati. That's why I have him higher. Yeah, I do uh, see I think that. Jerome that is, that is... could have as many targets as A.J. Green, and I think Gresham is an up-and-coming tight end. You know, well, I, I agree. Is... Opportunity has to be there, and there'll be some, but uh, I still uh, – I still don't think it's that that close a deal. That is the nice thing about your rankings, Jeff. You do show uh, the talent score. You have a talent score of 94 over AJ 92, but then you've really got the opportunity ratcheted up for Cincinnati's uh, AJ Green over Des Bryant. There, we'll have to see what Romo. You know, we know what Romo brings to the table, but he does have a lot of competition for the balls there, and and so we'll we'll have to see if he's got another 44,000, 4,500 yard season in him now. The one point I will make about A.J. Green, just for those listening at home, there's a great article over at Pro Football Focus. Brian Fontaine and Steve Wawrinski went uh, with, a, with a, a dynasty duel here on A.J. Green, and Steve Wawrinski uses data rather than opinion on A.J. Green. He makes the case against A.J. Green with a simple uh, statistical look in history about wide receivers that were drafted in the last 10 years at the exact same build as A.J. Green, within one inch and five pounds of A.J. Green. And there's a list of, like, 33 wide receivers, and not a single one of them were ever considered elite in the NFL with that build. And, and he, so he goes into the whole thing about why it, it makes it difficult, you know, to get off the jams and 
in the bump and run and things of that nature. And, and can he gain the weight? And few few players in that study put on significant weight in their careers entering the NFL. So very interesting study. I'll link it in the chat room. Look at it in the future. Look, you guys have been fantastic. This was a whole lot of fun. Totally different format for Red versus Blue. I kind of let you guys go with it. Johnny D, we've got something you want to give away. Was there a was there a format or, or something along that lines? You had a BFD subscription you were talking about. Yeah, I did have a BFD subscription that I, I wanted to, to give out to somebody tonight. And let's give it out to uh, to somebody in the chat room and um, maybe somebody that's got a little bit of familiarity with BFD. Um, we've talked about the the last uh, two years a lot who, who our two breakout players have been with uh with Ray Rice and and with Akeem Nix. Give me uh give me one of our breakout players in in the the previous two years to that. First Whoa. person in the chat room. That's a little sneaky there, Rice and uh yeah, Rice and Nix were the two breakout players in the last two years. So can you name one of the other breakout players from a previous year. That's a good one. That's tricky. I don't know. Now, that whole Ray Rice call, you had Ray Rice and Hakeem Nix. That's the thing on the power of BFD, and I'm going to turn that into an advertising promo here, but I was talking to somebody today. When Once those picks are released, it's single-handed. There's Mike Santos. It raises the ADP of those guys. We saw Hakeem Nick's value go way up in drafts as it, as we got closer to kickoff. And same thing with Ray Rice. It just became very difficult to get him because of the tremendous support for the breakout players. Looks like you do have a winner in the chat room then, huh? Yes, Mike, Mike Santos with, with Braylon Edwards. That's uh, right, Braylon Edwards. Breakout, you had, uh, breakout uh, player. Uh, he did. Yeah, Braylon Edwards and Lee Evans were were the two. Uh, and, and by the way, uh, both of those guys had career years. The the years those calls were made as well. Uh, there was another answer in there from Ed of Ocho Cinco. Ed Ocho Cinco is actually a a comeback player, not a breakout player. Mr. Santos, I've got your email. I'll be in touch with you, sir, and we'll get you uh, hooked up with a free subscription. Very nice, guys. Well, uh, big F and Dynasty show. Thanks for joining Red vs. Blue tonight. We had a lot of fun. We went into overtime. Kept you longer than uh, we talked about, but uh, should be a fun, fun show tomorrow night. Let's do it again, man. Hey, hey I, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having us. Great, Scotty, great to be here. Thanks for the invite, and we got to have you on the uh, Big F and Dynasty show, and uh, it'll be fun. Let's do it again. That's right. All right. Thanks, guys. And, Jeff, man, DynastyGuys.com. The rankings are unique. They're one of a kind. Like I said, they put together the talent score and they put together the opportunity score, which is a nice mix. And you can really take a look at a player and you can get kind of a you can really you can really get a a redraft kind of ranking out of it too because you can use your just your year one and your talent score and kind of put that together for redraft ranking. Yeah, it, it's tough to put together, and I'm sure there's flaws like in any rankings. But it's just, it, it, but just by doing it, it gives me another perspective. I even look, go back and look at it and said, "What was I thinking on that day?" And it's good to look at those numbers and see what I was thinking because, I mean, it's a lot of work to put that stuff together. But it's nice. It's the, the more detail I can put there, the better I can sort of speak to the reader because everybody asks me, "Who do you like, this guy or that guy, and why?" Well, the numbers kind of tell you that story as much as I can. 
That's right. And I saw on your homepage that you are taking um, applications for people to submit content on the site. That's a great way if you're a fantasy football fan, if you have an opinion. I know Steve Wood in the chat room, a guy that you just called in tonight and you're wanting to get into high stakes. This is a way for you to get your opinions out there and become part of this industry that is high-stakes fantasy football, and not just high-stakes, but dynasty fantasy football. So, so Jeff, I know that invitation is open to anybody that uh, can put out uh, that thinks they can put out some good content. Absolutely, and we're always looking for new people, always for, uh, fresh opinions, fresh blood. It's always great to get people out there, and, and it's it's great for for me to you know give back to the community and let more people get their voice out there. The chat room was great. I want to uh, give shouts out to uh, Wild Bill. Wayne, War Kittens, Walkie, the Prognosticator, Steve Wood, Joe Dix in the house, Jeff Pasquino, Invictus Peasy uh, is our guest, Get Paddled, Edward Cowdy Streakers, Cocktails and Dreams, and Nine Route. Thanks for being part of Red vs. Blue. Jeff, you too, my man. Thanks for being part of Red vs. Blue, and, uh, you know, we hope to talk to you soon. Absolutely. Always fun to be here, Scott. Thanks again for the invite. And uh, Jeff brought it tonight, guys. Uh, the, the, the Macklin-Deshaun Jackson conversation will live on and will be a continued theme that we talk about on Red versus Blue. Those are guys that have big play potential, and, and let's face it, Mike Vick is one of the top quarterbacks in all of fantasy football. So that's it for Red versus Blue, guys. I tried, uh, tried my best without Mike, without my co-host. He'll be back Friday night. We'll be back uh, with the regular format. And, uh, hey, you never know. Maybe we'll do some special shows like this again. We'll get together some of the better minds and – in fantasy football, and uh, let's do the roundtable discussion. But uh, I'm Scott Atkins, Team Legacy, and we'll uh, we'll see you next week, guys. Take care. You think you're gonna you think you're gonna beat me? No, I know I will. <laughs>